This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Torah in the old city of Jerusalem overlooking the Temple Mountain. Please go online and join the media club, YomTovMediaClub.com. Be part of this process. Uh, we we have found a camera, which I'm so reluctant to get because what good is a camera without a cameraman? And so I think I'm not even buying the camera with the media club money until we have a cameraman. And uh, so I'm not sure what to do with that exactly. And why this institution that I work for does not have a camera on at all times, I'll never figure out. But they'll have to answer for that, won't they? Now, the, um, let's, let's, uh, so what I want, what we're talking about a little bit today is, is not to be judgmental. And if you find someone being judgmental or offensive is to have the wisdom to know that they're probably feeling insecure. Because anytime you're aggressive or you're judgmental or you're, you're feeling like, like, um, hurting somebody in any way, it's most likely that what's going on for you is you're having an insecure time. And, that, that's, and that's, that's something that, that's good for you to take responsibility for, is like recognize you're feeling insecure right now and you don't have to hurt somebody. But also when you see someone who's already like, it's already out of the bag, they're, hurt, they're hurtful people, is to not judge them for being hurtful people because they're probably coming from their own place of insecurity. You may have to put them in their place, but they're coming from their own insecurity. And this comes from a principle that is hurt people, hurt people, which I'm sure you've heard before. Hurt people, hurt people. People wound where they're wounded. And so the there's, there's ways also, uh, the path to forgiveness is here too. Like, how do you forgive somebody? How do you forgive someone who's hurt you? And so forgiveness comes pretty quick this way. And, and there's a couple steps to forgiveness. Number one is that, is that, is that the uh, resentment... Is resentment with an S? It's funny, isn't it? Felt funny writing it. Resentment is poison. And I think it's even, I, I once heard that it was chemically proven to be true, that, that it actually poisons their system. And it makes sense, too, because people who have resentment will often have the, the sphincter of their esophagus uh, lose its tension, and they'll get heartburn. Tension, uh, resentment often brings heartburn. Um, when someone's really furious about something, and usually, uh, usually rightfully so, meaning uh, meaning there was an, there was there was a false accusation or whatever was done to this person, that it, that it does have a direct access to the, the sphincter muscle of the esophagus, which causes the the acidic fluids of the stomach to actually rise up the uh, the you know the f- food pipe. So that that and. And I believe it really poisons the bloodstream too because you'll notice in your own body when you're feeling that, you'll feel a flush of, of resentment and you'll feel it throughout your body. So it's clearly got its own chemicals. But I didn't even notice there was a kid speaking until she read. Did you guys notice there was a kid speaking? I'm so used to kids speaking. Today my, uh, my three-year-old grandson was licking honey off a page of olive bed for the most amazing 45-minute ceremony with another 40 kids. He's joining a class of 43-year-olds. And and they're all already with their peyote and stuff. He's just still got his long hair. And, but it's his third birthday. 
So he was licking the honey off that, and he did such a sweet job. It was really cute. It's really cute. one of the great things. And but my wife and I couldn't stop giggling the whole time that we're the grandparents. You know, we were, I identified more with the little kids in the room than I did with anyone else. You know, and we're both cracking up. How are we the grandparents? We had to keep a straight face. I was just like this half the time, laughing with my wife standing in the back that we're the grandparents at this point. You know, <laughs> I was trying to figure out which kid was me in the class, but I couldn't find anyone destroying anything. <laughs> so, anyway, the the. Um, so number one is resentment is poison. So when you resent someone, it's when you wish they would die, but you drink the poison. Because that person who harmed you, they go on with their lives. They don't even think about it anymore. It's like, it is a totally, it is a total non-issue. Hey, you guys coming in? Come on in. Over here is your area. This is your special area. Is that your sister? Oh my gosh, look at her. Hey, Reb Nehemiah. Hey, Tuya. Oh, you want to sit there? That's cool. Okay, just make sure she can see me, the little one. Whose kid is that? Is that your kid? Hey, kid, remember me? Uncle Yom Tov? I'm taking on the name of Uncle. I just met a second cousin once removed who was here for a wedding. Cutest 22-year-old chemical engineer. Genius, like 150 IQ. Anyway, the entire time he was in Israel, he called me Uncle Yom <laughs> I think it's my look. You know, I'm either Rabbi Yom Tov or Uncle Yom Tov, even if we have no relationship. Would you call me Uncle Yom I call you Rabbi Uncle Yom <laughs> Anyway, when you, when you resent somebody, when you resent somebody, you have any resentment for anybody? Yeah, when you resent somebody, it's when you wish someone would die but you drink the poison. Because that person goes on with their life. They just moved on. And, and you're the one that every time you think about them and their name's mentioned, or even someone with the same name's mentioned, you'll notice your blood gets poisoned all over again. You get those same feelings and the tightness in the chest and maybe even, God forbid, reflux. And, and the, you understand it all comes back. And those, that person doesn't even think about it. They probably don't even realize they did anything wrong. Because generally, I mean, I've found that every criminal is innocent. You know, I, I have to speak to a lot of people in jail. Although this year, I've, I've only, I think I only have one student left in jail. <laughs> Which is really weird. But it's not as weird as the fact that I had two of them in the same bunk bed at one point. I mean, they've been transferred all over for years. And one day I get a phone call saying, Hey, let me put on... I'm not going to say his name. And he puts it on. I'm like, what are you, how are you guys together? It's like, together... We're in the same bunk bed. Like, I'm the upper bunk. Yeah, they're in, the, they're in the bunk bed together. Anyway, I have students everywhere. Wow. Even in jail. Yeah. Anywhere from Wall Street to jail. Wow. And Wall Street's its own jail. So. Hopefully they get out at some point. Wall Street or jail? No, jail. Get out of jail. Yeah. Maybe the Wall Street's going get into jail. You know, I'll tell you, a few of those students, I think they oh. should be in jail. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Jail's a good place for them. Good for growing, I guess. Yeah, good for the safety of everyone else. Oh. Good for the safety. Oh, it's the Some of these guys. Oh, no, I just remembered I have another one behind bars. Oh. Yeah, he's an American. 
Yeah, you know, he found the perfect job, this guy. Oh. He's a brutal guy. He used to beat everyone to pulp. You know, oh. he's a real street fighter, crazy, you know, brutal guy. Is he more safe? Then he becomes observant, except he had nothing to do with his fist. Because, <laughs> I mean, he's not a wife beater. He's not a kid oh. beater. He likes to beat men up. So, oh, so he had no one to beat up because he became observant. Until finally, he got a job beating people up for for um, the based in for women who who did not whose husbands refused to give them gets because a husband who refused to get a get according to the Talmud you beat him till he gives the get and then the Talmud asks but he has to give it willfully what kind of willfully is this and you know what the Talmud answers it says that the inner will of every Jewish person is to do the right thing sometimes you got to beat it out of them. <laughs> But to make it that a woman can never get married again is evil. It's evil. And, and the only thing you can do is force the guy to give the get. Anyway, so he found the perfect job. <laughs> so the question is, what's he doing in jail? The, the reason he's in jail is because I guess the, the feds got onto this in America that courts in, you know, courts in observant communities have these henchmen. And so they made a fake situation and called him in, <laughs> him and his, and two other men who, that's what they do, and it was the perfect job for them. I mean, they, these guys, like, found the perfect job. And and they've been in jail ever since. Oh. It's like a 10-year sentence. Wow. He's a kid, he's a guy crazy. with a wife and kids, like, you sits alone and studies. He's it's like, crazy. yeah. In Europe, you will get 10 days, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so is he depressed? I, I actually, he hasn't really phoned me. I've been more oh, in touch with his oh. mother and oh, other family. So okay, so look, look, resentment causes poison. Now, here's the amazing thing. Here's the amazing thing is that when you forgive someone, when you forgive a person, you let you're letting somebody out of jail, only to discover that that person is you. When you forgive somebody, you're letting someone out of jail only to discover that that person is you. And then you ask yourself, well, why should I forgive this person? I mean, this person's shown no remorse. No one's asked me forgiveness. I haven't gotten any emails from this person. Like, no one's asking forgiveness. And that's where you get to number two. Is you gift it. You gift it sometimes. I mean, you, I'm sure, is there an E on forgiveness? You yeah, gift. Gift means poison in German. I said it in German, so gift means poison. Wow, that's so strange. Interesting. Yiddish. You never know what. You, it's just, you also in Yiddish. You give a gift, you never know what it's going to really get in your feet, whether it's going to be a bad thing or poison. Well, I don't know German, so I'm just going to accept yeah. my gifts. It's probably saying in Yiddish. Yeah. Gift. What does it mean? You know, you okay, I got it. Listen, the. Um, <laughs> but that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but give give because you got gift and poison right here. One sec. Normally, when you forgive somebody, it's because they asked for forgiveness. Meaning, they went through that humiliating act of remorse and put it coming with their tail between their legs and like walking up to you and like, "Will you forgive me?" And and it's horribly difficult to ask someone for forgiveness. I learned years ago, years ago, how to ask for forgiveness, and and there was often times where I wasn't even guilty. I still asked for forgiveness. I've even been falsely accused. And I went to the hotel and did a one-hour prayer just to, to 
I said to God that you and I know I didn't do whatever this person thinks I did. But if that, if my name got associated with that kind of thing, so I'm going to pretend I did, and I'm going to do whatever tshuva is necessary for something I didn't even do. And I also learned that you that you can do you can f- ask for forgiveness and should ask for forgiveness as quickly as possible when you've harmed somebody, but a real one, not just like forgive me. You know, it's got to be a real one. And you know, like for example, in marriage, you got to be careful with the word sorry. Yeah, men especially. Men have five sorries a year. Okay. We got five sorries a year because otherwise it doesn't mean anything. You know, coming home late and then sorry. saying sorry. You know, it's like that's nice. You know, what is it like a pass? It's like a pass or you know, a little card that says pass on it. You know? So, anyway, the gift of forgiveness is when you gift it. You don't wait around for someone to ask for forgiveness. Now, why would you gift it? Because it's killing you. And why would you give them that? Like, it's enough you gave them the fact that they hurt you, that they bothered you, that they harmed you, that they offended you. Like, it's enough they did that. You're going to let them keep going? Why would you give them that? Let it go. Just let it go. Don't give them that. So, you gift it. You just let it go. You just gift your forgiveness. Because otherwise it's going to poison you. And there's another thing is you bless your perpetrator. <laughs> you bless your perpetrator. Watch what happens in this room. Don't worry, no one's on camera here. Raise your hand if anyone's ever harmed you in any way whatsoever. Raise, raise your hand if anyone's ever harmed you whatsoever. Keep your hand up if you had negative thoughts about that person. Keep your hands up if your negative thoughts about that person even went into how their future should look. <laughs> okay. We're not going to use the C-U-R-S-E word, but, but that's basically where we go. You know, when we are harmed by another person, we go into, like, we, we just, like, really are not, we really are, have a lot of negative thinking about that person and, and do the opposite of blessing, which for some reason I don't want to say today. And... I rarely would ever say that word anyway, but I don't want to say it. I don't want it to leave my lips. And and so and so what happens when you feel that way about that person? First of all, it could work, especially if you're Moroccan. And, <laughs> and secondly, is that secondly, is that now you've got a perpetrator out there who you could have blessed to be better and get healing and get well and like meet the right people and maybe get some therapy or, or God knows what they need, but let them get better and stop harming people. So like, you know, you, you made it worse. So don't make it worse. You want to bless your enemies. You want to bless your enemies to not be so evil. And maybe they could be healed and stop harming people. I mean, you don't want this, like, flying object out there, right? You know, if you see a piece of glass on the floor pointing straight up, like, most citizens pick it up before someone steps on it, like something that could go right through a shoe or something. Most people pick up such a thing. But for some reason, when we've been harmed, we just, like, we just throw them out there into the world to harm others. 
You want to bless these people that they get healed. Her hand was right in the door, by the way. We've got to be careful of her hand. So, by the way, I'm still going. Number four. I like this subject. So, number four is to... Um, you guys, are gonna, you're going to hate this one. If you didn't like... So, so we got, you're the one causing all the problems. <laughs> and we got forgiving this you know what forgiving this son of a gun you know who's not even asking for it now we're, got, now we're blessing him but it goes even further see their innocence <laughs> how do you spell innocence C or S C you understand? I left school at 11. Okay? You're doing well. <laughs> With your help. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I got like an automatic spell check because you guys are like of the age where people still spell. Yeah. 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 That's true. That's so true. you were a dropout? Well, yeah, 11-year-old. 11-year-old. That's the end of my formal schooling. Wow. Yeah, the next thing I found was yeshiva when I was 23, oh. which was really great because, you know, it was time to be inside four walls. After all that, all those years. So Although I don't last long in four walls. What's that? You were practically homeschooled at eleven. Yeah, homeschooled. Homeschooled <laughs> 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 on psilocybin. So surfing's um, cool. Yeah, surfing's cool. <laughs> so, so number four is to see their innocence. See their innocence means that. Imagine this. Imagine this. There's, there's a movie. Yeah, and with a projector. Hey, look. We even got a screen here. So there's a movie with a projector, and you're watching the movie, and the... And it's a little baby on the screen, and it's like, look at this sweet little baby. And the kid's growing up, except the place that the kid's growing up is like hell. It's hell. You know, the parents are labeling and abusive and like... Everything's going wrong in that place. I mean, there's just nothing's going right. The parents are like Holocaust survivors, and they're like, they're like, they're like, they're like carrying on Hitler's job to their next generation, which is what many people did. And they, and they're, I mean, it's just horrific in there. And and you're watching the movie, and everyone in the theater's crying, and you're crying, and you're like eating your popcorn, and crying, and like hoping the person next to you doesn't see you're crying, but they're crying anyway, so it doesn't matter. And and it's going on and on, except what happens. As the movie fast-forwards, and now this person's already growing into adulthood, and they're like 17, 18 years old, you start looking at the face of the person, you realize, wait, this is the person who messed me up. Now, what do you do? You put down your Coke and popcorn, you walk out. And your friend's like, where are you going? Like, we're in the middle of a movie. And you're like, I'm not watching this movie. And I want to puke that I even cried about this person who harmed me you wouldn't do that actually what you do is you'd start to see their innocence and the reason you do that is because as we said hurt people hurt people and these are hurt people and since when since when do you hate hurt people since when do you hate people who've been terribly victimized in their childhood since when do you hate people like that I don't think that's a very Jewish trait. You know, we're known, Jewish people are known for compassion. 
I once had to be brought into uh, as a as a uh, like a professional. I don't know how you call it exactly, but I brought him professionally to deal with a pedophile case, or but a real like a like a, a racket situation of like three of them, and, and I had to be brought in because there's something special about me as a counselor, and that is that everyone tells me everything without even wanting to. I was a little kid. It's the weirdest thing. I was a little kid. I was a little kid when I used to ski as a kid. So I didn't have time to wait in line with the person I went skiing with. I was always going up single. Single means you go in a special line and you get to join, you know, let's say it's a triple chair, you join the triple chair. Quadruple chair, you just jump in on the quadruple chair. But, But what happens also is people will be alone and you get to join them. And so it's just a great way to get a lot more skiing in. So I always rode up with random people. And usually these were like pretty well-to-do people, like professionals, you know, in their 50s and 60s. Anyway, when we, whenever we got to the top of the chairlift, I'm, I'm like five years old, six years old, seven years old, I'm little. People were, when we got to the top of the chairlift, the guy would always say to me, I don't know why I told you all that. <laughs> and I'm just this little kid on the chairlift and I'm just like it's okay everybody does and, uh, I'm used to it you know and then I just ski down the mountain and do it all over again and next guy is going to tell me his life story and it still happens to me on airplanes you know wherever I go Uber good listener yeah, I'm not even that good a listener I'm thinking about other things <laughs> I got so much on my plate. I got a lot on my plate, you know. <laughs> anyway, but it's it's to see their you have to see their innocence. You gotta see their innocence. And 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 really and really these people are wounded people and and if you can recognize that so you can have more oh so I was saying so I was brought into that case the this uh, situation where I had to like get info out of these guys and the truth is between us where do you think I wanted these guys in the free world or behind bars where did I want them I want them behind bars only if it was real but like as long as it's real they're going away and I, and I was successful in making that happen but but the uh, anyway, but later that night, while getting a beer, in uh, I'm the rabbi of a brewery called the Beer Bazaar. I'll, I'll be uh, doing a program there next Thursday evening. Um, it's really for a private group, but I didn't tell anyone, did I? So <laughs> next Thursday. So anyway, there, people ask why does a brewery need a rabbi, and I, I say to give advice which beer to order because every person kind of has their beer and. I can look at a guy and just say, you know, you're going for a Belgium triple. Uh, look at another guy and you're going for the, the wheat beer. And then there's always the IPA guy. So, anyway, the, the so I'm drinking a beer with a friend and he says, to, he knew what I was up to that day and he was like, don't you want to kill those guys? Because he's a real, like, he's a real fiery guy. He's like, don't you want to kill them? Didn't you just want to strangle them? Didn't you just want to you know, just, just like poison them. like. And I said to him, no, no, I don't feel that way about people who are that damaged. I, people who have been that badly hurt in their lives. I, I don't feel aggressive feelings towards people like that. I don't feel that way. And I, 
I, I want them behind bars, and I help that happen. And I want people to be safe, but I also want, um, I also don't want to ever be a person who, who would see people like that um, in negatively. I, I believe they're in deep pain, and and I my heart goes out to people in pain. Doesn't yours? And and now there is such a thing as true evil, which is like totally not politically correct. You know, I was giving a class on Amalek. You guys heard of Amalek? I'm like, 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 there's the nation of the Jewish people that's like, there's a polar opposite nation called Amalek, and they're actually hidden in society. They're a hidden society called Amalek, and um, they do usually. Amalek actually does know who they are. They have a tradition that they keep it secret, and they know who they are. Once in a while, they reveal themselves. What? True evil. Like, Amalek is true evil. No mercy, none of this class, none of this forgiveness. Like, they're really evil. The Torah has commandments specific for Amalek. Could you just say those people are very damaged? No. No, no, it's an actual tribe to destroy good. Is it Iran? Is it Iran? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about it. I think it's much more complex than that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so because Jews Jews have existed in Iran all all the years. I mean, even today there's a Jewish population in Iran. They don't they don't seem to be wiping them out. So they should be well. Okay. Anyway, but this is like provable. Like meaning there there was even a Nazi that that identified himself. And there's a Nazi that identified himself. It's a Newsweek article from 1946. Where a Nazi actually identifies himself as Amalek, and but beyond bizarre, I mean, your your skin would crawl if you saw it. Anyone here ever saw the Newsweek article where the Nazi reveals himself there? You ever saw it? Okay. Anyway, the next one is see their innocence. You got that one? Okay. And here we're still going. This one's not as offensive. Numero cinco is actually this one is pretty pretty offensive. I think we might have five offensive things. Yeah. Speaking of our five challenging things. Five challenging things. Ready for this? God doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, this one's as rough as all the other ones. God doesn't make mistakes, meaning meaning there's a harmful person out there. And, and you know, almost everyone raised their hand for having been harmed before, so. But you were in harm's way. You were in harm's way. And that doesn't happen randomly. And this is a discussion amongst our rabbis. Like, our rabbis discuss this. Like, because they, you know where they bring it up from? They bring it up from Rosh Hashanah. Because, I mean, didn't it? If I, if I was blessed on Rosh Hashanah that this year is going to be a good year, then how could I be harmed? And if I wasn't blessed on Rosh Hashanah for that, how could it be a good year without getting harmed? Or things like that. And... The Vilna Gaon says something interesting here. 
He says that when Jews are in crowds, they lose their individual blessing of Rosh Hashanah. Got that? When Jews are in crowds, meaning meaning a Jew individually could have been blessed for a fine year, but but now they're on a bus of Jews, and now they're part of the klal, part of the general population of Jewish people. And if God has to like, and this is going to sound really sick, so I apologize for saying it like this, but but God loves us so much that sometimes He just wants to take us back. So, so he, sometimes God like harvests Jews out of this world, often at the hands of anti-Semites. But He'll like pull the souls out and out of this world. It's, it's pretty weird. But if you think about it, where are there more Jews in the world of souls or in the in the bodies? Which one? way more in the world of souls. We've got 3,331 years of history of Jews whose souls now are either there or they've been recycled into bodies. And so there's a lot more Jews up there. It reminds me of a, a dear friend of mine in America. And everyone's a dear friend. They're like one of the most beloved Jews in the world um, had, had fallen terminally ill. And, and it was, you know, was going to require several surgeries. I think three surgeons were on hand at the surgery because of all the other possible organ failures that might have taken place. And, and so I called his children, and I said to his children, I said, your father is the most beloved man on earth. You know that, and everybody knows that. And I said, we're playing tug-of-war with God because he's beloved to him too. And as long as you're in a body, in a way, it's like you're separated. You know, married people will be separated sometimes. So being separated... We're not divorced from God. You're never divorced, but we're all, while you're in a body, you're separated. And, and every act you do towards God is an act towards getting remarried again. But the ultimate remarriage is when you die. When you die, your body now is done and the soul goes back to God and now you're married again. This is why the death of a person on their yearly Yortzite in, in the Sephardic communities is called a hilula. Hilula means a wedding. For example, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, his Yortzite every year is called the hilula de Bar Yochai. The hilula, the wedding of Bar Yochai, because that's the day he went back to Israel. And so, and so we're all ultimately separated from God, and, and our job is to refuse ourselves. Now, now, you, those who have been hearing a lot of my classes know from the Kabbalistic classes that you're not really separated because there's only God. So you can't, how separated can you be? You're, you're a figment of God's imagination. So him, God and you are one. It's just that your own psyche, which thinks it's in this world, will sense separation. And if there was a clock that clocked the seconds of your day that you thought about God, like, how would you do at the end of the day? Of how many seconds you thought about God and how many seconds you ignored God? How good would you do at the end of the day? How much you thought about God versus ignored God? I mean, what if you were doing that with your spouse? What if, what if, you, got, <laughs> what if you got the same amount of seconds thinking about your spouse as you did thinking about God? I mean, you probably wouldn't be married anymore. Because we think more about our spouse than we do of God. And our spouse doesn't make us. Our spouse isn't like orchestrating our 
our actual heart beating and lungs breathing and all the things being orchestrated around us and all this like God's busy with us God's very busy with us and have you ever thought about this one that God's ultimately living through your consciousness I mean what is God without you think about it if there was no creation and no you so what's God it would just be an infinite nothingness forever and ever of whatever that would be and so and so well, God, you know, you can't really say God needs us, but in a way, in a way, He's living through your consciousness. And you'd say, then you'd say, wait, what are you talking about? I have my own consciousness, my own thoughts and feelings and background and narrative of my life. <laughs> yeah, great. And but under all that, under all that, like if you take off all those layers of the narrative you've created about your life or were created for you, depending on how they went, if you get under that, you're just a conscious. You were just a conscious being. Well, what is that consciousness? What is the consciousness of a baby inside the womb? If not God consciousness, because where would consciousness come from? I mean, consciousness is unbelievably deep. It's not even really fathomable what your conscious mind is. Like the, the fact that you're aware that you're aware. Are you all aware you're aware right now? Is everyone aware you're aware? Yes. Well, what is that consciousness of you being aware of being in this classroom? You have a consciousness of your awareness of being in this room. That consciousness we all have in common. I mean, your your pure consciousness, beyond your narrative, like deeper than that, that pure state of consciousness and mine are the same. We're one. There's no difference between us. And that's one. And the... um, And God, what, but what is it? What is the consciousness? And the answer is, well, it's obviously coming from some consciousness. If it's consciousness, it must be coming from consciousness. Well, where is that consciousness? What is that consciousness? And the answer is, that's the consciousness of God. And this is what the Kabbalah says anyway. That we're all chilek we're all part of this thing. And in other words, God's living his life through you. It's probably why the punishment for suicide is so is so harsh. Because, because you were kind of God's chance to live through you. And to to remove the consciousness from the body before life's over is is not an option. Because God's will is to live through you. And we're not allowed to mess with that. We can do a lot of things. And you can do all kinds of crazy things with your life. People can do really stupid things, but you have to keep the consciousness connected to your body. So how does that fit in with how can you forgive? Thank you for bringing me back. I, 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 this was all totally tangential. Really? Well, I'm sure I'm sure we could fit it in, but it was, yeah. Is that um, God God doesn't make mistakes. Is that is that for you to say that I got like, like I had bad luck, or you know that I was in harm's way. It's not like that. It's just not like that. It, you, if you're born into a family where you have a parent who's not well and was causing more harm than good, that that's not random stuff. I don't think anyone would ever think that that they were born to a random home. I mean, God doesn't know what He's doing with souls when He puts. On the 40th day after conception, when God puts the soul into the fetus, God makes mistakes. 
There's no mistakes. It's all part of some long life cycle of shifting into bodies and back to the world of souls and back into bodies. And, and then and everything else that happens to us is also it's also part of a plan. And there's, nothing's hitting you random. I only brought up the fact that when Jews are together, you could lose your personal mazel and go into some kind of a general mazel of the Jewish people. By the way, uh, we won the... Oh, so I told these kids that... that We told these kids that we're in a tug-of-war with God. So even though we got your entire city pulling and all the Jews of Jerusalem who know them are pulling, and obviously you guys, your kids are pulling and your, and your mommy's pulling, we're trying to keep them in this world. But think who's on the other side of the tug-of-war. The other side of the tug-of-war is God. How are we going to win this thing? But we all tugged and tugged and we stormed the heavens. And it worked. And he's now clean and of health. He's okay. That's rare. Another sweetheart, like such a sweetheart. Interestingly, from the same exact town. I don't know, does Philly like make extra nice people? Is, is Philadelphia the, some, a brotherly love or something? Where is this? Where's the place of brother love? It's Philly. It's us. That's, uh, it's not the reputation it's people have. Oh, really? Anyway, the other sweetest person ever from Philly, we, we, we lost him. He got ill and we lost him. We played tug of war and lost him. He was actually an ace rabbi, Mike Stern. One of the dearest men I've ever met. I mean, just... It was, it was uncomfortable how well he listened. He listened well. But he listened so well that you started to doubt there was, <laughs> there was even a hint. He became you while you shared. It was weird. It was weird. This guy cared so much about whoever he spoke to. And imagine how beloved a person is who listens like that. You know, when I listen to someone, and I'm, I mean, they certainly say everything, but they're still, I'm, it's still me listening. I maintain myself. He just becomes you while you share. Anyway, God doesn't make mistakes, and therefore we can forgive our perpetrator. Yeah? We can give the gift of forgiveness to our perpetrator because otherwise we're really, we're really fighting God's will in our lives when we, when we are angry about having been hurt. It, it was God's will in our lives. And so, like, I ma- I've managed to forgive people in my life. I feel better as a result. And I've also managed to bless the people who have hurt me. And hopefully those blessings have stuck on them and made, their, made the world a better place as a result. So I think we should all try it. We should all do that. That's an important thing. And, and um, I would do it right away. And if you look back, you'll realize that part of God doesn't make mistakes is that the growth you got from it's been helpful for you. It's been helpful for you. I know, for example, I mentioned that, that someone accused me falsely and I like did chuva for it. Um, but part of that whole process was I saw the kind of feeling someone gets if they do something wrong. I hadn't done something wrong, but someone who does... And the threat it has to one's reputation, the threat it has to one's career, the threat it has to one's family. It's a big threat. When we do something wrong, you, you pay, man. 
No one gets away with that stuff. Even if you did any hiding and no one knows you did it, it's going to come out. It's just the way God runs the show. He exposes the hidden. And so in a way, maybe it was good for me that I got to, I got to have that burn, without, that sense of burn without actually having done anything. So it just came and went. But I got to feel the burn and maybe that was good for me. Maybe I needed to feel the burn so that I would be, I'd make sure I'd be a good, good boy. Could be. Okay, so let's all take a moment real quick. Think of someone who's ever bothered you before. Think about that person for one moment. And now say the following words. Now we're going we're gonna to spit out the poison now and we're going to give that gift of forgiveness. We're going to bless them and we're going to see their innocence because these are hurt people. And then, whatever, we're going to recognize it was all part of a plan. So you ready? I forgive. Everyone say the words, I forgive. I forgive. Don't say the name out loud. Just fill in the blank in your own mind or heart. And then say the word for. And then whatever they did to you, don't say that out loud. And I bless them to have a refua shalema. That means a full recovery. Refua shalema and to be well. So they don't harm other people. Shalom, everybody. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.